Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello guys, David here. Welcome back to the DGR Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see my slightly red and burned neck. We're having a heat wave in Ireland and I think all over Europe at the moment. So um, I hope everyone is good. We have a bit of a treat of a podcast for you today. We have Alice Lochran. Alice is one of the physios here at Team DGR. She looks after a lot of our online clients. Alice has been working with us for just over a year now. She's an absolutely brilliant physio, brilliant clinician, really good person, brilliant person. Kind of wanted to bring Alice on to chat about the last 12 months, what she's what she's learned since she's come to work with us. I don't mean like what she's learned necessarily just from me, but from like her own experience of working with a lot of our clients from all over the world. So one of the really cool things about one of the parts of the jobs that we get to do is we get to work with people from all over the world, different countries, different cultures, different shapes and sizes. They have different goals. Some of them have movement related goals, pain related goals, performance related goals. Some of them are other coaches, other clinicians, some of them are gen pop. So we have quite a wide variety of people. And naturally that has I think massively accelerated Alice's growth and really turned someone who was a very, very good clinician into a a top class clinician, I think over the last 12 months. So that's what we chatted about, kind of what she's learned, the differences between in-person and working online with clients, communication with clients, the importance of sensation, sensory references, viewing rehab as skill development, all of those things. So just her last year, it's almost like a a yearly review, I think, uh, that that kind of happened by accident. And I think it's nice to get Alice's point of view on all of these things. And every time I chat to her, I can see her getting a little better and better and better. And that's the great thing about Alice. You just need to say, say something to her once. She takes it away. She plays around with it and uh, she comes back. And then it's like, OK, I, I think I've kind of figured that out. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? So that's been a joy to, to see her development over the last year. And hopefully you'll get to hear a little bit of this now. So. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy the podcast and I'll chat to you guys at the end. He's now on. I'll try not to make you laugh. Hey. Hello, Alice. How are you? Good, David. How are you? I'm good. Are you nervous? We bet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first time you did something like this. Yeah, I know. I remember my first podcast I did it with Joel Smith, who was my first guest actually that I had on this podcast. And his was a lot bigger podcast than mine is. So, and my Wi-Fi wouldn't work that day. So I had to go to my brother's house and my brother owns a gymnastics club. And on the wall behind his desk, he has all his staff there, right? So pictures of all his staff. And like probably half of them are younger girls who were gymnastics, but now they're like 16 and they coach a few hours a week. So... Joel opened the call and it was just pictures of 16-year-old girls behind me. <laughs> I was like, this is... <laughs> Maybe you need to put our photo spot behind you as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'll keep the ribcage there instead. <laughs> so first, first potty, you'll be, you'll be good. What are we going to talk about? You tell me. So I suppose we were, it came up the other day that you were with us for a year now, which... I didn't realize. So happy year. And um, I thought we might chat about some of the things you've learned over the last year. Not, I don't mean it as in like, 
okay, just tell me what I've taught you over the last year, but more like, you know, you've done a year with clients from all over the world and different types of people and online and all that stuff and what, what you've learned from that type of thing. So, yeah. Yep. So, so, like, um, I suppose, like, I've learned so much, but when I was, like, whenever I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, like, the first call that we had. And I remember before our first call, I had, like, this A4 page of stuff that I wanted to ask you. And I was actually, like, there was, like, two columns on it. And one of them was, like, I was going to ask you about, like, like a specific patient. Like, I had a few cases that I wanted to ask you about. And I think I did ask you some of them. But the other side was just, like, what are you doing? Like, what what do I need to change? Or what do I need to, or how can I do that? You know, and I remember, like, getting onto the call, and I was so nervous. And I was like, this is everything that I'm doing. These are all the courses that I'm doing. This is everything that I'm doing. And what do you think? And you were just like, who is this woman? Like, <laughs> what is she? But um, I remember coming away that day, and we had talked about it, one specific patient. And I had said, like, this is what I'm doing. This is kind of where I'm stuck. You know what? What I need to learn. And you were like, you're just like, you know, you need to take a step back and and look at everything. Look at the whole person. Go back and look. you said to me, um, look at your subjective again, and see what do they want. What is their goal, and and how do they expect to get there? And so, yesterday, whenever you put the video up on the group about this subjective, it brought that back to me as well. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking from the start, like it's not all about what you know, it's about how you speak to the person and how you get on with them. And I suppose working online, that's the biggest thing that I've that I've learned. It's how important it is like to communicate with them and to understand what they actually want and, and how they think and if they think that's possible, especially online as well. Yeah, you're right. In if you in your clinic, the person is kind of coming, it's a different thing. They're kind of coming into your world they're coming into your clinic and they're like okay you treat me however you want to treat me and online they're at home they're a bit more comfortable sometimes so online can be a bit weirder but i think it is easier for people to open up the screen and yeah i think it's very much more it's, there's more cooperation involved i think in the online one and yeah i remember that i remember that call as well because i didn't want to do that call with you because I don't think I told you this story, right? But there was a girl that was messaging me for a while who was like saying, will you do a, I don't, oh no, I don't think she was saying, will you do a call with me? But she was a physio and she was saying whatever she was saying, but it was kind of annoying me. Like I was like, oh, she's asking stupid questions and it's just, it's just a bit, it's, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think I want to do it. And I think she left a few comments or something like that. And then for some reason, I conflated you with this person. And then when you were messaging me, I was like, no, no, no. I kept fobbing you off. And I think I said that, oh, no, you'll be fine when the mentorship course comes out. You can do that then, which is still not out. So you'd be still waiting. So, <laughs> But then when we did the call, I, like very quickly, I realized that you were asking the right questions, at least. So I think you can tell a standard someone's at or just like just the curiosity of the questions they're asking and how how even if they have none of the answers, the quality of the question, that, that, that decides like, okay, this is, this is someone that was really good here. So I knew that on that first call with you. 
Yeah, that that was the thing. I remember it, it was more that that was a big thing that I actually did learn from that. It was I got more value from the questions that I asked you rather than like, you know, well, what do you think of that method or I think this. What do you think about that? And I remember one specific thing. It was about muscle testing, like manual muscle testing. Mm. And like, oh, that makes so much sense. You know, like so it was things like that that like I had thought about before and I wondered about, but I never really. Yeah the conversation maybe with with someone as open to that you know yeah. answer maybe yeah i know the communication becomes more much more much more important online like you know in person you can always go back to your hands-on that's what people do all the time they just freak out and they just do more hands-on work and, and like it's a good way to it is a good way to keep yourself in your comfort zone not in a bad way just to like chip along but you don't really learn that way in, in online you know what to hide and I think that's what a lot of people learned over COVID was it kind of showed Warren Buffett I love Warren Buffett's phrase which is like when the tide goes out you see who's been swimming naked or swimming with no pants on and that's what COVID did to a lot of people it's like you've just been needling people and rubbing people for the last several years and what other skills have you developed and it turned out most people had developed no other skills no communication skills no rehab skills no coaching skills and um i think that people have really got better since then and i can remember your probably the first client that we did together was ingville i think you did a session with her and then you said will you have a will you have a look at this we had a look together and i think i remember you coming off the call and, and saying like Oh, actually, you really were able to connect with her very, very quickly on that call. And that hopefully was a, a lesson that you learned quite quickly as well. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, that that's the thing. I, I think in my expectations too, like I didn't know, I had never done that before, you know, like, like I had never, it was all face-to-face, obviously pre-COVID. So I think it's my probably expectations of how I should, you know, lead, lead the call is probably the big thing. I think yeah. that's, that was, it was easy whenever I was doing a face-to-face because they were coming to me, but it was yeah. more mutual or something, which was good, you know, but it yeah. was well. Yeah, yeah, but you're still you're still the authority, like you have to be the authority. Same yeah. in face-to-face, you're the authority, they're coming in. It's not you telling them what they need, What like, okay, you, you are doing, going to do this my way, but in some ways it kind of is like, you know, because I wouldn't hire a plumber to come to my house and then tell him, here's, here's what I want you to do. It's like, no, you, you're, you're coming to me. We're, we're going to try to do this my way, but I'm going to almost pretend that it's our way, but it's kind of my way, uh, as long as you're on board with that. But sometimes you, do, like, you don't do that. Sometimes it's more like, what are you willing to do? You figure that out, and then you just beat it into make it work for, for them. But, well, actually, to be honest, everyone, you do that, but it's still like, you have to be the authority leading the way all the time. And I think that's really, really important. Well, like the more that like people know about the kind of work that you do and understand the kind of work that you do and maybe why it's a bit different, then they trust you then from the start anyway. So yeah. you're not like having to yeah. go exactly. as, as, as much. Yeah, exactly. I do I do have empathy with people who co clinicians, coaches who say to me that okay people that you work with now they know what to expect they already have bought in if you're going to do a little bit of breathing work and all that and 100 they do that's the thing um so i have empathy with people but i didn't always have that either and i was 
standing in dad's house. I had a little computer room office there and people were coming in and I was like, I'm not doing manual therapy, Bridget. In my head, that's what I was saying. And it was like, I'm going to prone, this is five years, but like I'm going to prone into your foot. I'm going to do breathing work. I'm going to do all this stuff. And these were farmers coming in from down the road. So like they didn't want to do that, but it's just again about how you get it across. I think and like, okay, we're doing the breathing work while you do a foam roller bridge or something like that. So I'm not telling you you're breathing to, to get into this state or to move your ribs too much. It's more like, here's how we breathe when we do this exercise. And now here's a way of just sneaking it in together. So definitely look, the Instagram stuff helps because people are, people know what they're going to get when they come on. Yeah. You know? But I think it's another thing as well as like showing someone, like I actually had a client yesterday straight away he came in with one specific problem but I was like there's so much else that needs to be considered before that's ever truly you know helped and like I started with a bit of breathing work and it was kind of it was like a young guy and he was looking at me like what the hell I could obviously no idea but I was able to show him then without putting a hand on like how he could do he couldn't do something at the start and he could do it so much better after and like I took a video of him doing something and then pointed out after when he had improved it like look how much better that is and he was like yeah like it actually feels better so I think I think if you can show someone then yeah it does it for itself yeah and even it, that can be as simple as pointing it out where they're doing a hard exercise and you just point out see how you're holding your breath yeah. and then they hold their breath they hold their breath they hold their breath so you're just saying this I'm only teaching you this breathing stuff so that you can breathe through the exercise and that helps you get stronger and whatever. So like pr- you have to prove to them why it's valuable to them for, for some people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. Uh, what's next? Well, it's kind of, it's kind of similar to that, but just about how important the biggest, this is the biggest thing that I've learned in the past year and that I will hopefully always continue to learn, but just how important your words are how important coaching actually is like I was studying this yesterday as well like yesterday I had another client who's teaching them an exercise and they were like no I can't feel that and I was like okay so I did it and tried to do it the way that they were doing it because I could see what the problem was but I was like I don't know what they feel or what their sensation is so I tried to do it the way that they did it and then I was like right that's the problem and I was able to then explain to them what they were doing wrong Mm them I didn't have to point at anything I just said think about that I didn't say feel your glute or whatever I said like you know feel feel a lengthening I didn't say tighten or squeeze or lift or push it was Mm -hmm. just let that happen and they were like okay so I think that the biggest thing is like how important your words are and changing your words for a specific person some people respond one way and some people respond another and I think that that that's so important and I think and I remember the first time that we, that I was down in clinic and we did like a face-to-face clinic together and we talked so much that day about sense and about how you don't have to like point something out, but, but just give them something to actually let them, let them feel it themselves. And I think that that, like, that's the biggest thing I've, I've learned about how important that is. And it doesn't have to be a major thing, but it can change the whole experience of the exercise or whatever you're doing. Yeah, I think so. I think I haven't said too much about this but I th- before, but I think, you know, the way people like in the pain world, there's the well, posture doesn't equal pain and all of that stuff. Of course, I think that I think are like, okay, someone might have zero hip mobility 
hip movement and someone else has loads and the person with loads has pain. I think the big thing that's like almost impossible to measure is how much awareness someone has of their own body. And I think the more awareness and sense they have of their own body, not in a neurotic way, but like they're just aware of where they are in space and all that stuff. I think they're much less likely to have pain in, in that instance. And they are obviously people who are really easy to coach. They get exercises quite quickly and they get benefits from exercises a lot as well. But then the people who really struggle with that can get benefit very quickly as well because you start to give them sense of these areas and, and suddenly it's almost like in my head it's like the brain just says oh like I just realized I have this area again or I can move it in this way and now a lot of that excess tension just kind of melts away because it's like okay I have I, I, I've just kind of shined the light on this dark space and now I don't need to have so much protection over it so whether it whether it applies to the pain stuff, I don't know. I think so, but I definitely think it applies to like a, a lot of excess tension in someone's body that they feel. So yeah, and that that does come back to the coaching because some people are harder to coach, and people presume then okay, you're you're not feeling that exercise in that way, or you're not getting the exercise. It's I'm going to just try a different exercise, and actually a lot of it comes back to your coaching. And if you know what you're doing. You're, and there's nothing wrong with trying a different exercise in a different way. I do that all the time. But like, if you're if you know what you're doing, you might just need to give someone another reference of putting a hand on something so that they can feel where that body part is in space. Regressing them lying on the floor in a certain position so they feel their back. They might feel their feet on the wall. They might have a hand on a foam roller, anything like that. And actually, Chris, I don't know if you saw in the Facebook group, Chris put up a post last night of a guy working with a blind blind kid. And they're doing jujitsu with them. And like, that's what I do say all the time is the brain is in a dark cave and the only way it has access to the outside world is through your senses. And the biggest sense is vision. And that kid has no vision and never did. So his brain, think of the cave that that's in and it's craving sensation. And Chris is like, doing jujitsu has given him that sensation so much. He's like, there's a body against him. He can feel his body against another body and against the floor. That must be unbelievable for his brain to feel that. And then the other exercise that Chris has given him expansion-wise, like you see how he has a foam roller in his hands or he has him on the floor with his hand on the foam roller. He's given him that sense. And you don't you need to say much less than, but that's a big part of coaching, setting people up in the right way with the right exercise. And then you can just use your words sparingly. And I think that was really cool. That's the thing about Chris. Like now, I could listen to Chris all day. Like he's mm-hmm. so much by saying so little. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch that video, I actually, I actually did like pause it last night whenever uh, he was coaching that, and I like, wrote the stuff down that he was saying because like then I was just like, how, how must that feel? Like I've always said about Chris, you could learn, learn from Chris from speaking to him for like fifteen minutes because the way he describes like anything, you know what he means by it. You know, he yeah. has such a cool thing and. I, uh, that was amazing last night how, how little he had to say and how much you could see that guy understood what he what he was trying to say as well yeah so good so good and just for for the people listening as well even Chris said that like he was his parents said that the kid I don't know what age he is like 17 or something maybe he's older but he said how they said he was in the comments Chris said how the parents said he was always a breath holder and the reason he was a breath holder was because it could help him hear better so when someone was someone would like to hear where he was in space he'd hold his breath so he could hear so like we just there's so much stuff about the body that we we're not even taking into consideration and he's just uh 
more extreme example of that where everyone is dealing with that to some degree like what if you have less less of a visual field on your left eye or your peripheral vision or anything like that we have we're talking about get someone getting adduction and internal rotation on the left side of their body well then why would it what like if you can't see the peripheral vision on your left side you're not going to move into that space so there's just so maybe your left ear is blocked you're less likely to get into that space so i don't like go down the neuro rabbit hole too much but have to have an appreciation that this is, that stuff is is having an impact on everyone not just people who like subclinical like subclinical it's 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 there in everyone you know yeah and i think like that what you're saying there about someone who doesn't have a lot of awareness of how their body moves or where it is and sometimes they're the people that actually benefit the most because when you bring like the smallest amount of attention to like the smallest movement that you take for granted yeah. so much, you know, yes. Yeah. I think that sometimes it sometimes in those cases, like less is more. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Just giving them something. That's where like the references when the, the pronation, they're the type of people that I might use the sock with, pop the sock under the arch so that the, they can feel it. That's why in the hinge, the way we coach the hinge now is so it's, it's, I don't want to use the word complicated, but like there is a certain way to get it right. And that's why there is a hand on the butt and another hand in the hip because it's two extra references. And then I usually take away the hand that's in the hip and I give them a dumbbell in that hand instead once they've got that. And now it, it does become harder quite quickly for them to hinge in that way without that second hand. But when you get it that way, you just keep seeing and gains and gains and gains and gains. The hinge is like, changed like how, how i coach so much how i coach like everything yeah you know, so much from that one like that one drill yeah and if you look on youtube you watch people coaching hinges everywhere you'll never see anyone coaching a hinge like that ever and they don't think and they never none of them ever load their glute like so so yeah and that literally was just born from working with people online and trying to figure out how to get them to hinge without being able to touch them or do anything with them so um online has been probably two things working online with people and having to put my thoughts on instagram are the two things that probably help me develop as a like as a coach better than anything else definitely like because it, it is like you're you're when you put yourself out there like it's easier for people to slate you but it's also it's, it's not an easy thing to do like yeah yeah really, you know, but, um, yeah when you have to like put yourself out there and make it simple for people as well, that's when you really have to to actually understand what you're trying to say and, and really believe in what you're trying to say. You know, yeah. as well. I think that that is really hard to do. And even when you're explaining it to a, a client, you know, you have to really understand what you're saying. And that that's another thing on my list is just about how coaching or teaching someone something. And it doesn't have to be a big thing, but how you have to really understand it yourself to be able to explain it to someone else. Yeah. Especially online with that, like that's so important. Yeah. And I, like the models and stuff that we have really help as well. Like they definitely do, but being able to use your language to actually explain something and, and uh, help them understand it is, is so important as well. So I think, I think I'm definitely getting better at that as well. I think so too. I'm getting better all the time. I think people aren't dumb either. Like, you know, like it's, it's a fine line between really dumbing something down and trying to teach think of people as like children and and also trying to be like so complex with your language that that it just yeah that it's just it just goes over everyone's head and i think that goes for 
when I'm talking to, like, when I'm coaching another coach or a clinician, the language that I use is very similar to the language that I use with, like, a client when I'm coaching. I'm not using the word anterior or posterior. And to be honest, most of the time, I don't use them words with coaches and clinicians anywhere. It's, anyway, it's just, like, front and back, left and right, see how the shin drops forward and back, like, those type of things. And... The visual stuff is so important. People can see it happening on a model or in their own body, feel it in their own body. And that, I think, I, I, I try to give people as much credit as I can that actually they can understand it and they do, and they are interested. And I like to give them some kind of, a, some kind of an understanding of why we're doing what we're doing rather than just here's an exercise, here's the muscle you're going to feel, like a little bit of an understanding as to why you, this is going to be a big part of what helps them. And I think that's great in two ways. One is that they have more buy-in with the exercise now. And two is if this problem crops up in two years' time, actually, I've had people all the time, people that I was working with two, three, four, five years ago, message me all the time and say, oh, I had this problem again. I went and did those two exercises that you told me about, and uh, it worked for me again. So they really become their own kind of their own their own coach in a lot of ways if you can actually help them understand stuff yeah Yeah, i think i think that's so important i had that conversation with a guy this week about um he has this recurring hamstring pain problem and like we've helped things a lot and he's back running and everything and i was just saying like look like here is the bank of exercises that it's not that you must do seven days a week for an hour every day but here's the things that you know have helped you so much and that you find harder to get naturally and this is what you could do you know to keep on top of this and, and help this problem not develop um into like a long-term issue again yeah that's great a little menu is great yeah, for people so. yeah stop oh. getting bored as well yeah yeah you know um yeah okay cool what else anything else i suppose that the other thing that i that i um when i was just reflecting back on um like the past year as well like um, and like my my coaching has changed a lot and my thoughts have changed a lot and will probably change again in a year's time as well like but just about how I remember texting you like a couple of months ago after an online client who if I had a got like nine months ago or 10 months ago I would have like freaked out and been ringing you and been like what the hell do I do I remember coming off and texting and being like like this is the best feeling in the world mm-hmm. like I was so happy to actually have someone to help him and he could see the changes and like it wasn't like I think I'd done like two exercises with him yeah message me after you know I was just so thankful and I just remember feeling like 10 months ago I, I couldn't have done that like I wouldn't have known what to do and and it wasn't that it was an easy client like it wasn't but I was able to see where the problem was and being, was able to change that then and that's that's a one one client but there's so many things that you're learning from everybody and, and just like how much each client can actually teach me as well. Yeah. You know, things that I'm things that I'm better at and things that I'm not as good at and that I need to get better at, you know. So like just yeah. it, when you're looking back at things, it is it's nice to be able to say, actually, you know, I, I couldn't have done that and, and now I can. I've done a pretty good job with that. Yeah. No, you're a completely different clinician now than you were a year ago. Like there is there is no comparison. I think you could help a lot of people a year ago. But limited, or it was limited, I would say. And if there was a curveball thrown in here or there, you, you, you probably would have struggled a bit. And I think now I'd be very confident that there's, there's not too many curveballs there 
Like there is, everyone gets curveballs where it's just like, you're just flabbergasted. But I feel like even the, even with those people, you and I would hopefully feel like, okay, I understand why I don't understand this. Or like, you know what I mean? Like the, I under, I, it's not that I just don't have a clue here. It's like, I've tried these things that I really thought this was going to be the thing. And I'm just not sure. So like, maybe I need to refer on or something like that. But I feel like you've really developed a ton. And there's probably been a few times where over the last bit over a year now, where definitely was a few times where you felt like you knew nothing <laughs> along the way, which is a good mindset to have uh, in some ways. And then there was probably a few times along the way where well, maybe, maybe, maybe or maybe not where it was like, okay, I actually think I know nearly everything now. And then another client comes along and you're like, oh, hang on. Now I need to, now I need to learn a few more things as I go along here. Yeah, like I think I think that's that's the same with everyone. Like, but I like that. I love I love not knowing. Mm-hmm. And like I always say to you, like I know what's wrong here. I can see what's wrong, but I I can't figure out a way that they will they that they need to understand or how, how I coach them to do that. And I think I think that's the thing. Like not knowing isn't the problem, but not finding out is. You know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Someone said that. Who said that? Tim Riley, was it? He said. I don't want to be right. I want to get it right or something like that. I really like that. Loads of people have said that to me since he, uh, since he said that on the podcast. Shout out to Tim for that one. That was a, that was a little bit of a gem. Cool. What? What? Uh, talk a little bit more about sensation, about the, the, the stuff that we said about sensation. What, what have you learned there? Or how do, you, how do you think about sensation now when you're coaching a client? Or is that a really hard question? Sunk me there. <laughs> no, uh, so I think um, an example is maybe the the best way to describe this. So the the biggest one probably for me is about the foot and how you know like the pronation drill that we do and how we coach that. It's something that at the start, like like at the course, remember the course we did down in Waterford and about how everyone was doing it. And like the thing that you said that struck with me the most was here's the ways that people will do it that are wrong. Mm-hmm. And then that, when I recorded that, when I went home, I went and did all the ways that were wrong and understood how that felt, yeah. which, which I probably was doing. And then I was able to then correct that and, and change that. So um, one of the ones was like a cue that you gave, was like don't feel like you're doing a heat raise on the back leg. And... The other one then that you used was about the sock and the sock not being completely under the arch is so, so important. Mm-hmm. It changes it the, the completely. Like, and I need that cue myself whenever I'm doing it too. So mm-hmm. having knowing what it feels like to do something wrong is super important. And then having something physical then, if, if that doesn't work, having something physical as your backup is very important because like I, I don't use the sock first. No, I never use a sock. Rarely. I did actually like two days ago with someone, but yeah. I, I try not to use like a physical thing because then they feel like they need something to be able to feel it. Yeah. Give them something without needing to actually have have another thing. Then they can start to apply it to, to any time that they're feeling their foot. You know what I mean? So whatever the, the drill is that they're doing. So I think... Um, goes back to like your your the, the sense that they feel all comes down to how you coach it yeah and they think they should sense even though they don't know that that's what they're thinking about <laughs> yeah no i think 
you've been you've been coaching that drill now for a year or over a year now with people and you still change the way how you're coaching you're still getting better at coaching and spotting what people do because it's not about the arch of the foot it's about how people transition through the gate cycle that's what people don't understand it's about how they move from early stance to mid stance and that is what people don't understand that is what you're trying to coach the pronation is a reaction to teaching someone how to move from early stance to mid stance or early stance to slightly later in the gait cycle. That's what the pronation is a reaction to that. So what happens at the foot should be a reaction to how you've coached their body to transition forward in space. And like anyone can get someone's medial arch to go down towards the floor. It's the easiest thing in the world. It's completely useless for 95% of the people that, that we actually use it for, or that, that people that are using it, it's, it's useless. So the compensation, I don't like that word compensation, but how people transition through the gate cycle, they will do that exercise, how they usually transition through the gate cycle, except they'll push their medial arch down to the floor. So what are you trying to change? You're actually trying to change how they transition and move through the gate cycle. That is the key. So I need to coach how they get their body on top of their foot and transition forward. And most people, in my opinion, are coaching it, push the medial arch down to the floor, but always do, they always do it the exact way that they transition their body forward in the gate cycle, which is one person squeezes their glute and pushes forward. One person arches their back and pushes forward. One person does like this calf raise, this early propulsion on the back leg. One person does a hinge where their torso starts to come forward. One person leans back and drives their hips forward. Very few people actually let their knee bend and go forward. And even when they do that, then there's all still all funny things that can happen. So um, there's you can't you just can't learn that how to coach that well through Instagram and saying, okay, now I know how to help people pronate their feet. People have learned stuff from that, but you just it just takes so many so many reps of coaching people and watching people and how they do and understanding how that links with their table tests, with their standing assessments, with their subjective assessment, and with how they do a squat, with how they do a hinge, it will you will all show up in that drill. And I think that that's the thing as well. It's like you were saying about curveballs earlier, like even if you think you had every single fault that they may have, there's always another one. There's always yeah. something else. Like it could be their hands or whatever. Like there's always something, um, and like that you have to look out for. It. And that's why, like, I I really like that drill, and I have started um using that with every assessment. Yeah. Just to learn about what what it is or how how they move. But I think that's the biggest thing, and that that like in the past couple or few months, that's what I've really learned is it's it's how they get their body over the foot. It's not about what the foot is actually doing. What the foot's doing will be taken care of if they can move their body over the foot. 100%, exactly. Um, same with every drill. It's, it's, that's like the research study would say, okay, squatting leads to this result. So these are the people like, squatting is good because it leads to this result. Or squatting is not good. It doesn't transfer over to sport. Uh, so don't do it. How are they squatting like? Do, yeah. You know, just a, back, a back squat for me looks very different to a back squat for someone else. It's the same with all of these things. Like an RDL, what, slow down someone doing an RDL and see where the hinge is coming from. Uh, anyone can lengthen their hamstring, but like you, you can, you can, 
you you can very quickly improve someone's hip internal rotation if you get them to hinge well, and you can very quickly rob someone's hip internal rotation instantly in the same session without them without them hinging the way like it is actually a hip hinge. Neither of those things are bad. You can you can do good things with both of those things, but don't call them the same exercise. Don't just say everyone everyone in this room that we just said doing RDL is doing it the same way. And not to say that there's a right way to do it, but don't say that everyone is doing the same exercise. They're they're not, you know. So that's being clear about what you're trying to do. And I think that that was the thing we that conversation that we have when we were talking. We were doing like programming or something for a patient, and said to me, you know, if you want to play safe, you know, don't hinge them first first time because coaching a hinge badly can actually be really dangerous or or bad for someone and bad for their progress. So like that's something that I'm so particular about. And like like yesterday, I literally spent a full session teaching a person a hinge, but like at the end, they felt like amazing so it was totally worth it you know and like it's worth spending the time doing that because it is hard to get you know what it, yeah yeah and, and helping them understand what they you don't want them to feel is very important yeah yeah and i think i think like some people listening to that might think that we're like you're being you're 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 saying oh this exercise is bad like don't do it you're going to get hurt if you do it it's not what we're saying it's just about it's just about like what are we actually trying to change here? What do you want? What we, yeah, what do we want from an exercise? And if I want something from it, I'm going to make sure I get that from it. Not just say, oh yeah, that looks kind of okay, and then actually our tests never change or whatever KPI we have never changes. But like I feel like I kind of half coach the exercise right, and I say that to people as well. Like now when people come into me if i am coaching a hinge i will coach it heavy in the beginning i'll spend i might send a, spend a full session same with the squat because guess what if we do this well you're going to be hinging for the next 10 or 20 or 30 years strengthening all the time and same with the squat we're going to be doing it for 30 years hopefully where you can do all these different types of squats all these different type of hinges all these different type of plyometrics so yeah i am going to spend some time coaching which in the beginning i don't need to rush it it's not a, it's different to, there's an argument in like the, the coaching world where people are obese and you just need to get them moving. That doesn't apply here. It's not, it's not the same thing. Yeah, we just need to get people moving. But like, even with, I would say, even with those fat loss clients, like you still should coach them how to do the right things. It doesn't mean you have to lie them on the floor. They still need to get moving, but like still coach them because ultimately what's going to help them in the long run is, longevity feel like actually not getting injured feeling things in the right way enjoying their training understanding what they're doing and that that doesn't change in one day or two days that's six month 12 month process so i like to coach people and i think when they learn the hinge in that way they can never work with me again but they can go and always understand what a hip hinge actually is and um for me that's that's important to teach people and they never they never really lose it then no, and that's it. I said that to that guy this week. I was like, um, if you never learn anything else from me, you know, if you left here and I never, ever, ever seen you again, I know I would be happy that I have coached you something really valuable and something that you'll never forget because you never forget the way that it feels like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that's the way I try to be with all my exercises. If I'm teaching someone a breathing drill, like you can always hopefully go back to this drill. If you have a pain in your back one morning, like, there you go, lie on the floor, do 10 breaths and 
if, I'm not saying it's going to be fixed, but like I bet you you'll feel a bit more relaxed when you stand up and you feel like you're a, have a bit of little bit of power over the situation rather than just being reactive to everything and freaking out. So like that's that's why I try and say to everyone how rehab movement is skill development. Give them the skills to sense different things and move in different ways. Understand this is your hip. This is how you move your hip. This is how you do a reach. This is how you pronate your foot. This is how we progress into our plyometrics. So like, this is how we pre-tension our body before we hit the floor. This is how we bend our hips, knees, and ankles when we squat. They're all skills, I think, that we can develop in people. And the good thing about skill development is once you learn a skill, it's like riding a bike, it's always there. It might get rusty, but it will come back to you. Yeah, that that is that's so important that you said there. But um, movement is a skill. Like, and you practice it to get better at it. You know, you don't just pick it up once and that's it. Like, you know, it yep. takes long. Exactly. Cool. So, anything else? Or are we done? That was my list covered anyway. Yeah. I didn't have a list. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> biggest biggest uh, difference between online and in person? What do you think? Or are they starting to look more the same now that you're kind of working in that way? Yeah, I think they definitely are starting to look more, more, um, more similar. I think the biggest difference for me is is having to, or was having to use my words better, so I wasn't able to put a hand on them or show them, like physically show them. And um, the biggest difference for the client is probably just that their expectations are are better, and that they they understand that it's gonna, it's not, it's not a passive thing, and that they have to take part, and that they want to is a big thing. As yeah, well. that is a big thing. Yeah. Exactly. and I think but I think like a lot of my clients I'm definitely seeing like a nice like transition you know where they are starting to look more similar as well which is really nice yeah because people talk to each other and if you treat people in this like work gets around like there's there's in every town there is a butcher of a guy who's like just digs his elbow in as far as possible and makes people and destroys people and some people will walk out of there and say that was the best thing ever. And they'll tell their friends, if you want to get fixed, go to this guy. Like he's going to dig his elbow in as far as he possibly can. And those people will go to him. It's usually him. <laughs> it's almost always him. Uh, although some, I've ha- I have had a female with needles who has absolutely destroyed me in the past. The most like... I had sent my brother there. This is like 10 years ago. I sent my brother up to her. She was in uh, Wexford. So we had to drive like 45 minutes to get there uh, because she actually did really help my Achilles. She like, there was not a contraction left in my calf for the next week after it, but my Achilles felt better for some reason. And um, I sent my brother there and I said, you need to make sure you bring like four Nurofen with you because you won't get to drive home. You won't get to press the accelerator coming home. Uh, so it was that it was that like an hour of the most disgusting things ever. But I recommended her to him because I felt I, like that was what I valued at the time. And you're the more you do work in the way you want to work, the more you will attract those type of people because those people will talk to other people, and if then people value it, they'll come back, they'll come to you. So um, yeah, now my clinic is exclusively for people who want to do rehab, pretty much. Yeah. I think I think the thing that like I am learning as well is that like hands on is there is value in hands on like there there definitely is and for mm-hmm. the right people but I think it's helping them understand that like this isn't all that this is like this is not 
because if if I was left to just my hands, I mean, I'm not that big of a person. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like it, like it depends on how, depends on what what the area is or whatever. But like I think I I think if if you can if the person trusts you that yeah like I I trust what that what you're going to teach me or show me is going to benefit me more or is going to give me more value than hands on then I think that's just going to start to change you know yeah. I think the whole industry is changing a lot as well like it's just doing like a little amount and then you know yeah get you know, let 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 the let the rehab do the rest yeah hands on is is nice like. There's a reason why all the a lot of the best athletes in the world, the tennis players, the basketballers, they have personal, whether it's a masseuse or whatever it is, coming to their house or their gym every day or every second day. Like athletes aren't stupid. It fe- it does feel good. It does it does have benefits. So like hands on is worthwhile. The thing I would always say to people is just use it sparingly. And the other thing is be try and be. Not specific, because I don't think there is a specific way to do it, but like just have it linked to your clinical reasoning around what's happening. Um, and also the other the other thing with it is everyone can do hands-on. Your hands aren't much more spe- special than anyone else's hands. So if you do want to differentiate yourself ultimately and, and charge a lot more and help way more people, then ultimately use your hands-on more sparingly because your hands are not Jesus, Jesus' hands. That's what I would say to all the clients. That's, uh, I think I put that in that subjective video that I did for the membership site. Did I, did I say that yesterday? Something yeah. like, what did I say? Oh yeah, you have to ask them what didn't work in the past because what, if, if, if they came, they come and they say, you're, you're the fifth physio I saw or whatever. And you say, what did all of, like, what have you been working on? Oh, loads of hands-on work, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay. I'm probably not going to do too much hands work on work because it didn't work for you in the past. And I always say to my clients, my hands are no more special than that person's hands. And you can keep looking for the person with the, 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 the healing hands. You're probably not going to find it. It's probably telling you your body isn't responding the way you want it to this. And it means you need to look in a different direction. I think that's um, a valuable little thing to be able to say to your client. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I, I always say that I'm like, like I could spend the next week rubbing you or doing whatever and you'd feel great for two days, but you, you get no more out of that than I do. Yeah. You know? and like that's actually easy for me. Yeah. Thoughtless, you know, like I could do that all day and not have to, not have to, you know, worry about the next thing, but it's not going to help you or me anymore or progress anymore. Like. 100%. Get the, the, the games we're looking to give people is residual. It hangs around. It's there in their body. And that is coordination, strength, and mobility, and confidence. Those are the four residual gains that we get from doing the rehab exercises the way we do and progressing the way we do. Those are the gains that hang around in people's bodies. And there is no other way other than exercise and education to do that with people. Hands-on work will never, ever, ever come close to that. Even if, even if I, even if I rob someone and they go away and they're pain-free for forever, they still haven't developed any skills. Yeah. So that's how I look at it. I'm going to, I'm going to coach your skills. And I would look, look. Don't get me wrong. If I knew that was going to be the case, I would do that. I would rob them, and there you go. Off you go. You're pain-free forever. 
But I would still, I feel like I've robbed them from not teaching them skills in their body that is going to make their life and their movement a more enjoyable experience for the rest of their life. Yeah, pain free or not. Yeah, exactly. So, um, okay, Alice, that was brilliant. Well done. And we're going to ask you my generic question. I haven't been asking people that recently. Did you think about your three people? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. The first person is Brandon Flowers from The Killers. Okay. I was obsessed with him. (laughs) Does he have a, does he play, does he play an instrument? Yeah, plays a guitar. And does he have a guitar on the island with him? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's singing as well. He's like serenading or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second person is Kevin Bridges. Mm-hmm. There he is. He's like, we're going to see him in October. I'm obsessed with him as well. He's with me. Mm-hmm. And my third person has to be a smart person to learn something from them. Aiden, Aiden might not be happy at the moment. It's all, it's all. Dumped off the island. <laughs> Uh, who would be my third person? Oh, I can't think of my third person. I can't think. You need to give me time. I can't think. Oh, but it would be a smart person that I would like, you know, on ask deep questions. About. Okay, we'll take two. Yeah. Just, okay, Alice, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Hey guys, I'm back. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Alice. I really did. And honestly, it means the world to me that you tune in, that people tune in every week that people share the episodes, that people are enjoying the episodes, enjoying the podcast, listening and telling their friends about it and all that stuff. So thanks so much for that. Uh, It's not just about like learning. I want you to actually really enjoy, really look forward to to the episodes. And I think hopefully lots of people are. So thanks very much for that. I'd love if you shared the episode. Obviously, I know Alice would too. That like every little share helps, you know, every, every few people that if you can tell a friend or share it on your Instagram or something like that, it only takes a few seconds. And if you think someone else that you know, or even don't know that maybe follows you or something would, would enjoy it, then, then I would appreciate that share. And I'm sure they would as well. And lastly, if you're interested in kind of learning the things that me and Alice do with our clients, then don't forget to sign up to DGR Interactive. That's where I'm teaching all my, every, basically everything I know there. If you have about 15 minutes every single week, you can learn all this biomechanics stuff, all this rehab stuff, how we talk about clients, work with clients, progress clients, look at movement, breakdown movement, all that stuff. So you only need about 15 minutes a week. That's all. If you have that, if you're willing to give that, then I will break down complex things into not dumb them down, but simplify them down into very usable, practical information and if you can do that every single week and, and watch a short video every single week, one or two at the max, then you'll be, you'll be a long way down the road. You'll be able to help your clients a lot more, I can promise you. So, and that obviously leads on to other things where you can make more money, enjoy your work more, all of that stuff. So DGR Interactive is the place to sign up for that. Apart from that, I am going to leave you guys now. And thanks again for listening. I'll talk to you guys soon.